Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where, after having watched Doctor Who, I tell you all about it. So Kyle, now that you've watched Doctor Who, um, you ready to tell me about it? Uh, indeed, but first, I have also Never. watched The Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah, <you have. laughs> Which I know we have kind of hinted at having having watched a few times in the past, but uh, I had not fully finished the season until uh, and, until I guess this previous to this recording session a couple of weeks ago at this point. But yeah, I really enjoyed this season. I thought it held together as a season as a whole better than the first i think there was okay well the first season did have those filler episodes yeah. which they could have just left out the second one um, i felt like didn't really have filler yeah they, they did a better job i think of incorporating there were some filler-ish episodes um but they still would add something extra like the the one where they raid that old um imperial base on navarro we we found out more about what was going on with baby yoda and the the cloning stuff going on so even though i i kind of still see that as a a filler episode it did still move the plot forward yeah they they tied the filler episodes into the actual plot better yeah, so so I think that um, I speak for both of us when I say, screw Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> hello there. You're listening to The Mandalorian's Watcher, <laughs> the show where we both watch The Mandalorian and we tell you about it. The one thing I will say about season two, and I think this was somewhat true in season one, but more pronounced in season two, is that the structure of the plot was very much like either a video game or a tabletop game tabletop oh, yeah. game oh like yeah pretty I much think. every episode was go to the location do mm-hmm. the local quest mm-hmm. that little local quest will lead you to like the piece of information that gets you to the next location in the main quest Mm-hmm. absolutely i remember that in the the scene where baby yoda is doing his little meditation on the rock um and uh mando tries to to pick him up and he gets like flung back by the force field even the first time i was watching the episode um i was i was kind of quipping with my partner like no mando you gotta wait for the progress bar to fill up first (laughs) (laughs) that that quest is not ready to progress yet Uh uh-huh the other thing that i wanted to say about it and I, you'll might notice that we're mostly avoiding spoilers here, in case our <laughs> listeners have not watched. <laughs> but the yeah, Speak for yourself, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to say is that for as much as the child loves snacking on the go, I thought Gogurt was a pretty appropriate name. Ha. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Um, now that you've said in your generosity that we're avoiding spoilers, um, we should probably move on from the Mandalorian and on to Doctor Who because I, while I would love to talk more about the Mandalorian, and I'm sure that you and I will when we're not recording, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of spoilery stuff that I really want to talk about. 
Yeah, absolutely. um, Yeah. All right. Okay. (laughs) We, we, we move away from star Wars, Uh, but we have Dr. Who for you. So this is the 35th episode of season one, Kidnap. Oh my god, we've done so many of these. I know. <laughs> we've got so many more to go. I've, uh, I've mentioned what? on Twitter, I don't know if I've said on the pod before or not, but I I try to avoid like spoiling our listeners as far as like when a serial is going to end or when the season overall is going to end. But yeah, these are really fucking long seasons. Yeah. I, I yeah. promise our listeners that we will finish season one in 2021. <laughs> yeah. I won't get any more specific than that. It'll be sooner than that, listeners. Like, I, <laughs> you know, uh, Uncle Kyle's taking care of you, but Uncle Benny's the fun uncle, and he'll sneak you that treat to be like, hey, it's okay, <laughs> wink. <laughs> this season's almost over. So do you recall our Cliff Dangler? So I haven't actually edited it yet, as you've noticed. <laughs> um, I know that's uh, that's on my to-do list, um, but I do recall the cliff dangler because as we were wrapping up that recording, I was like, okay, this is the last recording of the day. I'm going to have a harder time recording it. I totally biffed it on the cliff dangler um, before, like when we were actually recording that episode, the, the previous cliff dangler. Um, so I was like, okay, got to pay attention now. <laughs> at the end, remember what's going on. And the doctor is in this um, aqueduct thing, I think, where right. the, the water comes from. And we know from the sensorites that it's dark and scary. Um, we know the sensorites don't like dark places. And I remember being like, like a fool. I was like, um, oh, okay. So clearly, there's some like shenanigans going on. There's some dark dealings where the uh, sensorites are poisoning the water or allowing it to be contaminated somehow. And so they made up this story that there's a monster in the the aqueduct to keep other sensorites out of there. And I was like, okay. So clearly, that whole story about how scary it is and how there's a monster is just part of this larger scheme. And now the doctor's there, and there's a monster. <laughs> I don't think we've seen it yet. I think we like heard it, or he he saw it, and he was like looking toward the camera or something. Yeah, we but, heard it. I don't know if the doctor saw it or not. I uh-oh. think that was unclear, but uh-oh. we have not seen it. Okay, well, that was the cliff dangler. So we pick up with that cliff dangler. We we get to hear the monster again. And then the doctor like clutches his chest, kind of like, you know, in the the classic I'm having a heart attack pose. Yikes. And we cut from that to Ian and Susan, who have gone to the aqueduct searching for the doctor. Mm-hmm. And they're able to hear him shout. And they go and find him pretty quickly. Okay. They, you know, they find him. He's unconscious. 
and there are all these little glowing items on the floor around him because he has like spilled his inventory everywhere. <laughs> oh no! So a good sign. Yeah. So they, when you drop your loot, <laughs> <laughs> they they collect all of his inventory and collect him and kind of carry him back to the aqueduct entrance. And we cut. We the viewers cut back to the city and in the city carol is speaking with the first elder and a scienceerite cool and she's upset that they're not going to do anything to help the doctor in the scary aqueduct the sensorites explain to her like how much loud noises fuck them up <laughs> Yeah, they're really scary. We really don't like them, like, <laughs> genuinely. Uh-huh. So, so remind our listeners, because of course I remember it, but remind our listeners, um, is it the second um, Sensorite, the uh, One Sash, that's the fake one now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the formerly the city administrator. <laughs> well, uh, but he's... he's- Still, the the city administrator. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. (laughs) In disguise. The Sciencerite explains that, you know, loud noises really fuck them up a lot. And also, it's super dark there in the aqueduct, so there's really not much that they can do. Our warriors will be more of a hindrance than a help. It's kind of damp. It doesn't (laughs) smell very nice. Uh Uh-huh. Such a long walk there. The first elder, two sashes, changes the subject and basically tells Carol that John is doing much better and he's going to be receiving his final treatment today. Cool. He tells her, You are sad for the friend you have lost. Rejoice for the friend who is being returned to. Yeah, look on the bright side. Uh huh. <laughs> Sure, like, a few of the people are gone, but what about this guy? <laughs> well, I mean, he is her fiancé, so that, yeah. that's pretty pretty significant. Back at the entrance to the aqueduct, where there's more light, Ian and Susan and the doctor, who's recovered consciousness now, the three of them all examine the doctor's coat, because the back of his coat is just completely shredded. Oh, dang. By claws? They look like claw marks, says Ian. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) The doctor says that he's real glad that he sent the antidote to Ian, or he might be in even worse shape. But Susan's like, We didn't get the antidote. I had to go all the way back to the laboratory and get some more. What? That's right, I went on a whole extra fetch quest. (laughs) Ian's like, Yes, surrounded by enemies. The doctor says, Yes, true. True. And water, and those monsters in there. And now it appears that there's someone among the centurites that bears ill will. That's two separate enemies. <laughs> what? What's the, the title of this episode again? Is it Two Separate Enemies? Did the, the confetti go off? <laughs> no, this is Kidnap. Oh, okay. Ian's like, uh, I think how to count to three is going to be a pretty lame educational moment, Doctor. 
And not if you're Valve. Hey, <laughs> topical and relevant joke in the year 2021. <laughs> uh huh. Doctor says, No, 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 don't mistake me. The water and those monsters are distinctly connected. I more or less solved that problem. Hmm. Okay. So he wants to head back to the city and try to figure out which sensorite is their enemy. Of course, as they leave the aqueduct, the DM asks everybody to roll a perception check. Of course. But nobody rolls high enough to see the sensorite watching them from behind the pipes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and uh, how, how high do you think that difficulty was? Like, how well is that sensorite hiding? Um, as the DM, I probably would have given it to him on like a 12 or 13. So not, not the hardest. Yeah. This is not exactly a camo sensor, right? It's not a stealth strike. Carol's visiting John in the laboratory and John is trying to tell her that there's a plot going on, but he still can't really quite string together full sentences. Mm-hmm. I remember last time he was like, evil. evil. Yeah. The science-a-right says, It must be illusion. Our society is based upon trust. Treason or secret plotting is impossible. No science-a-right would storm the capital. Our, our society is so based on trust, all you have to do is change the number of sashes that you're wearing and everyone will think <laughs> you're a different person. Uh-huh. I just thought of that random factoid, completely <laughs> hypothetically. Yeah, Carol's not so sure about, like, the trustful society. But the Sciencerite says, But why should a Sciencerite make any secret plans against anyone? We have the perfect society. All are contented. Apparently, he says that greed and desire are human values. Well, that's probably true. Yeah, probably. So the Sciencerite goes on to explain to Carol what had actually happened to John. It turns out that the sensorites have learned that brains have like different compartments in them. And when you get scared, the veil on basically the fear compartment of your brain gets lifted. But Mm -hmm. apparently, apparently in John's case, his fear veil got stuck in the up position so he's just continually afraid. So, like, the science is trying to shut John's fear veil again, basically. Not permanently, of course, or he would step into danger without concern. The veil must function normally again. Yes, it's helpful to have uh, some fear. Uh-huh. Or else he might end up like Ian, person of action. <laughs> and Carol's like, oh, shit, I get it. Like, eyelids. But she sees that the science right is not really sure what she's talking about, and so she has to like explain what eyelids are. Right. That's right. It's like what? What are those? And the science right kind of sighs and wistfully says, "Yes, to see all the time is not a good thing." And I was like, "Oh man, poor guy." Yeah, they don't have any eye bleach in uh-huh. uh, sense right society. Yeah, like, once you've seen it, you really can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. His neighbor's house has 
No curtains on the windows. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the disintegrator room, there are three sensorites gathered. One of them is wearing one sash. So, of course, this is the city administrator. Mm-hmm. The second elder, who, you know, is officially known as Ol' One Sash, is also here in the room. He's tied up in a chair, and he's wearing zero sashes. <laughs> Not a single sash. How sad. And the engineer sensorite is also here in the room. Remember, he's like the kind of minion of the city administrator. Mm -hmm. The administrator is getting worried because it turns out it was the engineer who was spying on the people at the aqueduct. And he's reported back and he says that the humans are getting suspicious. These humans are too smart. They're figuring <laughs> out the plot. Meanwhile, John is almost cured. And, of course, the city administrator knows that John knows about the plan. So the city administrator has an idea, but... John's got to go. <laughs> We've got that... What, what was it? A disintegrator beam? Something like that? Uh-huh. Yeah, this is even taking place in the disintegrator room where the, the controls for the disintegrator <laughs> beam are. How convenient. Before the city administrator will discuss his plan, he has to take a minute to remind the second elder how much the city administrator thinks the second elder sucks, saying, Weakly betrayer of our people, Todd! I should imprison you in some room wherein no light can shine and fill that room with noise. Wow. Someone's got issues. <laughs> Have you tried talking to somebody? And I'm not trying to make light of people's like trauma or, or, or whatever, but I, I genuinely think this dude's got to work through some stuff. Yeah, seriously. So he, he does then get on to his plan he gives the second elder a brain stethoscope and cool. tells him to dial up the first warrior. Nice. When the first warrior answers, the second elder is to tell the warrior to bring the disintegrator firing key and meet the second elder in the courtyard. So the second elder places this call after the administrator reminds him that he holds his family group hostage as well. Yikes. Devious. Uh-huh. After the brain stethoscope call is ended, the city administrator heads out to meet the first warrior in place of the second elder. So do we hear the uh, what the second elder says on this brain stethoscope call? No, I think we just hear the telepathy noises. Because I wonder if the uh, the city administrator would know what the second elder is saying over the brain stethoscope. Oh, uh, I left that bit out. But actually, the engineer also has a brain stethoscope, and he's listening into the call. Uh, so he, he's doing the thing where you lift the other receiver in the house and you cover the uh, the the talky part. Yeah, exactly. But with brain stethoscopes. So... 
the city administrator heads out to meet the first warrior, saying, The Symbio warrior shall know me by the sash I wear, your sash. Thanks for the recap. <laughs> Just to, you know, remind everyone. Mm-hmm. The doctor, Ian and Susan, arrive back in the courtyard and they actually witness this meetup between the first warrior and fake one sash. The first warrior has these like dark bands around the lower arm area of his jumpsuit. I guess, you know, that's what indicates him as the first warrior. Is the first warrior like particularly buff at all or no, tall? not really. Just the average kind of nerdy looking sense, right? Yeah, basically. Uh, he does have a fucked up potato masher hanging from where a belt loop would be if sensorites wore belts, though. Oh, nice. He's ready to, to break some door locks. Yep. So he hands the firing key of the disintegrator beam over to the city administrator. But of course, Susan, you know, seeing this from a distance is like, oh, look, it's old one sash. Doctor wants to talk to One Sash, so he starts heading over towards the city administrator, who rushes off. And, you know, the doctor comes back and reports to Susan and Ian that the second elder just ran off. And Susan's like, Hey, <laughs> that must have looked funny. Flip, flap. Oh, with their feet? Yeah, with their weird fun feet. Of the shape of their feet? Come on, Susan. <laughs> but the doctor says that he was actually pretty fast. And humans all head off to the first elder's room. We cut back to the disintegrator room where the engineer, for some reason, has untied the second elder. So city administrator is like, dude, retie him. He's our fucking prisoner. But as the engineer is retying the second elder, the second elder kind of like shoves him aside and grabs the firing key from the city administrator and nice. breaks it. Oh, dang. Yeah. Well, he, he kind of like presses it against the console and it like bends. And then they all kind of pretend like it's broken. So. It is not made of high quality material. <laughs> the engineer raises his fist up and just kind of like brings it down onto the second elder's shoulder. Oh, and the second elder falls to the ground, and the engineer checks him and says, "The second elder is dead." Oh, dang! He hit him right on the shoulder heart. Yeah. Wait, no, their hearts are in the center of their chests. No, no, oh, wait, we hold are, on. Yeah. <laughs> we do know that. Literally, do know. Um, he hit him in the shoulder brain. <laughs> Turns out that not every creature keeps their brains in their head. Indeed. Is that a reference to that Star Trek, by the way, where they're on Ruripente? Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) Hi, Kyle here. Thanks for listening to The Doctor's Watcher. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would leave a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. But aside from that, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel welcome to drop us a line by emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. Thanks for listening. Back to the show.
So it turns out the first elder has the only other firing key for the disintegrator. So the engineer wants to like just abandon the plan basically. But the city administrator is like, no, no, don't be foolish. The death of the second elder can help us not condemn us. We must act quickly. Man, this guy is like prime supervillain material here. Yeah, I was a l- I was a little bit impressed that a sensorite could be like so devious. Yeah, given how uh, cooperative they're supposed to be. Yeah, allegedly. But who among us, you know, doesn't live in a society where ostensibly you're supposed to all work together and you know strive for the betterment of of your your kind, but some people just can't, you know, get get with the program. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hopefully the program's going to get with them or something. Yes. I'm not sure if that metaphor works, but... Yes, I will delete this whole <laughs> section. No worries. So the second elder checks with the engineer to make sure that the engineer is capable of describing what the doctor looks like and then he outlines his plan but unfortunately we don't get to hear it because we cut away to the first elder who is in discussion with susan ian and the doctor they're telling him that he can't trust the second elder because they know that some sensorite is working against them It seems that one sash had intercepted the antidote that was sent to Ian, and one sash ran away from the doctor in the courtyard when the doctor wanted to talk to him. So they're both right and wrong with their suspicions. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. The first elder is like, yeah, it's pretty weird and fucked up, and also I haven't seen him in a while, but I super trust him. And around this time... Uh, another sensorite appears in the doorway with a cloak and the first elder gives this cloak to the doctor because his jacket was destroyed at the aqueduct. The doctor puts it on and Susan says, Very smart. And I'm like, you mean the doctor could have been wearing a cloak this whole time? They've been holding out on us, Benny. I know, dude. Cloaks are awesome. Yeah. The doctor even says... That Bill Brummel always said I look better in a cloak. <laughs> Who's Bo Brummel? I had to look up who Bo Brummel was. Oh, good. And <laughs> I feel less dumb for having asked. <laughs> he was apparently the fanciest of lads and was like the preeminent example of the, the dandy in terms of fashion. In like the 1960s or? Oh, no, they're like the 17th or 18th century, I think. Okay, okay, cool. About this time, the city administrator enters the room, and he's no longer wearing one sash's one sash. He's put his city administrator collar back on. This is this is just too convoluted a scheme. He's, <laughs> he's a brilliant mastermind, Kyle. Uh-huh. <laughs> he's brought the engineer and the first warrior with him, and together, the three of them basically tell the first elder that the second elder is dead and that the doctor killed him. (laughs) 
the what, what schemes <laughs> what manipulation uh-huh the first warrior explains that he saw the doctor going after the second elder in the courtyard and the doctor's like yeah i i did but i didn't kill him you know he didn't even talk to me the engineer joins the story and says that he saw the doctor wrestle the second elder for the firing key and then he shows the firing key, which is all bent up now. Mm-hmm. And he says that he saw the doctor take an object from his coat and strike the second elder down. The first elder is like, oh, oh that's pretty fucked up. And Ian is like, but obviously untrue, sir. Yeah. See, Ian heard the bit where the engineer saw the doctor take an item from his coat. Ah. Of course, the doctor stands up and poses dramatically in his brand new cloak and reveals that his coat is in shreds back at the aqueduct. And the engineer's just like, oh, uh, did, did I say coat? I totally meant cloak. Yeah, cloak. That's it. <laughs> I'm convinced. These guys are too brilliant. and Their <laughs> uh-huh. story is too foolproof. This time, though, the first elder gets to call bullshit. He says, I have just presented the doctor with that cloak. Your story is a tissue of lies. Remove him. (laughs) A tissue of lies. What a phrase. (laughs) So city administrator leads the engineer out, saying that he will perform the interview himself. Sure. I, I see no reason not to let him be the one to do that. Uh huh. So now everyone's pretty sure that the second elder, Ol' One Sash, was the one plotting against them. Turns out city administrator's One Sash plan worked pretty well. You know, they all think it was One Sash. Engineer was, like, lying for One Sash, basically. And now, of course, the second elder is dead, so the first elder needs to appoint a replacement Susan and the doctor both think that maybe if they could convince the first elder to appoint the city administrator to the job, the city administrator would be a useful ally to them. So the doctor makes the suggestion, and the first elder offers the job and the sash to the city administrator. Dang it, guys, you are so close. uh Uh-huh. He officially accepts. Then accept this sash. I make you my advisor. From now on, you will be known as the second elder. Second only on the sense fear to me. And once this order is made, only a betrayal of trust can set it aside. That seems like a very specific thing to say in this situation, but thank you for <laughs> establishing it. Uh-huh. Also, the, the guy is like... Oh, thank you. I look rather good in a single sash, um, (laughs) uh, in theory. Something that I am just purely saying out of speculation with no personal experience. Exactly. He wants to have an elderly meeting now. So the doctor and his companions all decide to go pay a visit to John. As they leave the room, Ian turns to actually one sash for real now and says oh and uh congratulations 
And actually, one sash for real now says, When you address one of the elders, you call him sir. Oh, buddy, that took like five seconds for your promotion to go to your head. <laughs> yeah, he seems kind of like a real ass. Sensor ass. Yes. In the laboratory, John is no longer wearing his head electrodes, and he's speaking fully coherently, and he recognizes Carol and everything. Carol is overjoyed to see him again, to see him like as himself again. Mm -hmm. So the John Carol ship is ready to set sail. Nice, nice. Kind of a somewhat bland ship. It's you know just been going um, all canon and everything from yeah. a couple episodes ago. But at least we had the, the zombie complication in there. I guess <laughs> there's there's some potential. So as John explains handshakes to the science right, Susan, the Doctor, and Ian all enter the room. And they're also all glad to see John. Susan prompts John to try to remember what he was trying to warn them about. He remembers that there was a dangerous sensorite who had a plot. Actually, one sash for real has kind of slips into the room behind them. And he interrupts John telling the story, asking if he can identify the sensorite who is plotting. And this sensorite, can you identify him? <laughs> Just out of curiosity. Uh-huh. John Just says that... conversation. <laughs> John says that he can't. So, actually, one sash pushes it a step further, asking... Is he in this room? <laughs> <laughs> Just, is, it the, is it the science you know, guy? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll arrest him, you know. I, I, I can do that for you if it's the I science guy. I have that guy. authority. Yes. John again says no, but that he can remember that there is something different about the sensorite's clothing. Before he gets any farther in this, actually one sash interrupts again, saying that it was probably old dead one sash with his one sash. And yeah. Susan's like, oh, huh, yeah, I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I had a feeling he would try to pin it on him. It all all the pieces of his evil puzzle all fit together. Uh-huh. So he's convinced that he's fine, and he leaves the room. And John's like, man, he kind of sucks, right? And Susan's just like... Well, he's only just become second elder. I should think he's trying out his new authority. That's very kind of you, Susan. Yeah, yeah. She's, you know, really giving him the benefit of the doubt in terms of the power having rushed to his head. <laughs> no kidding. Over in the other part of the lab, the sciencerite is showing Ian and the doctor some items that they had recovered from the previous humans who were on the planet. Ian starts looking through all the family photos, but the doctor is more interested in the sketch of the aqueduct. What, what, what is this, like the 34th century photos? Uh, 28th. Okay. <laughs> so these are really nice Polaroids, is what you're saying. Uh-huh, yeah, totally. 
These only take like five seconds max for the picture to appear. And you don't even have to do the flappy flappy. The science right is like, oh yeah, I should have known that Mr. Docatecture himself would be interested in the aqueduct drawings. You want to see the full blueprints? I'm sure the city administrator wouldn't mind. <laughs> the doctor's like, the, the, the full blueprints? And then you notice <laughs> he's only being filmed from the waist up. <laughs> oh, we'll see if we leave that one in. <laughs> Susan hears this, and all of a sudden she's like, oh, shit, city administrator. John, you know you said there was something odd about the sensorite. What was it this color? John remembers that it was, and she's like, oh, that's it then. Our enemy's the city administrator. Hell yes, Susan. And Ian's like, the one who's just been made the second elder. And everybody's like, yeah, I guess we kind of fucked that one up. But they got there in the end. (laughs) We get a brief scene between the scheme serites. Nice, nice. I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, one sash for real now got the engineer out of prison, apparently. But he has a new task for him now. He's got two fucked up potato mashers. And he wants the engineer to remove the mechanisms from them, but leave them looking fine on the outside. So they'll still look like fucked up potato mashers, but they'll actually be fucked up potato non-mashers. Yes. Devious. Ian and the doctor want to go tell two sashes about how actually one sash for real is the actual enemy. But of course they know that they need proof. And in order to get this proof, the doctor wants to go back to the aqueduct. Okay. So he and Ian tell the first elder that they're convinced that the poisoning of the water supply is deliberate. So they're going to head back to the aqueduct, find whoever's causing it, and stop it. First elder agrees that this seems like a good idea. And... Well, he actually has to be talked into it because, of course, the aqueduct's really fucking scary. Yeah, dude. But he says that he'll send light and weapons with them. They ask if maybe he could have Barbara brought down from the ship to the planet. And the First Elder's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll arrange that. And shortly thereafter, the First Warrior arrives in the chambers and presents Ian and the doctor with what looks like two fucked up potato mashers, but we know that they must be the fucked up potato non-mashers. Mm-hmm. This is confirmed by the next scene as the engineer and actually one sash now discuss things. The scienceerite wanders by carrying something and actually one sash stops him to ask him what he's carrying. And, of course, it's the aqueduct blueprints for Ian and the Doctor. So, actually, one sash is like, oh, cool, give it to me, I'll deliver it. <laughs> nice. And the science right is like, oh, sweet, thanks. Man, how can we compete with this level of evil genius? <laughs> as soon as the science right has left the scene, actually, one sash gives the blueprints to the engineer 
saying, quickly, fuck this up too. Then not only will they have fucked up potato non-mashers, but they'll have an incorrect map. Oh man, this guy, this guy is just a piece of work. Just layering it on devious scheme on top of devious scheme. Seems like things also just keep falling in his lap, which uh, <laughs> is really working out for him. Yeah, that's true. Back in Two Sash's chambers, Ian and the doctor have been instructed on how to fucked up potato mash. Apparently, the fucked up potato mashers will paralyze things for an hour from up to 30 yards away. So they're like, oh, let's let's practice. And then the sensor right's like, no, you don't have to do that. Just take that word for it. It works. Uh-huh. Ian and the doctor think that Susan might want to come along with them, but they don't really want her to. Uh-huh. So... Yeah, this is Doctor Who. <laughs> this is 60s Doctor Who. So the Doctor asks the first elder to keep it secret that they've gone to the aqueduct until they're like a ways away. After all, there's no danger now. We have these protectors. And I'm sure we can settle our little business in an hour or two. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, it's usually not a good idea to say stuff like that out loud, Doctor. Yes. And also to be like, I specifically don't want the other members of my party to know where I am. Uh-huh. The DM is like, so do you want to share that with your party? And you're like, no. Nope. Since you asked, I do not. I sure don't. So the aqueduct blueprints get delivered. And Ian and the doctor head off, leaving the first elder and the first warrior alone in the chamber. The first warrior is like, man, they're so fucking brave. I'm glad they didn't kill old previous one, Sash. <laughs> no, the, these guys are badasses. Uh-huh. But the first elder is like, yeah, but that means a sensorite did it. The first warrior doesn't know who would do such a thing. And two Sashes says, Oh, yes. But also I ask myself, why was it done? And that's why he's got two sashes. Exactly. In the laboratory, a buffet of fruit has been laid out. And Carol and John are talking about how hungry they are. And Carol says, Oh, won't it be wonderful when we get back to the Earth, John? How I long for a thick, juicy steak. Mm. And John replies, Well, you'll just have to make do with a small, juicy fruit. <laughs> this episode brought to you by... And, and also they're like, mm, If only we had some nice hot cocoa to wash this down. <laughs> yeah, I was not quite sure if like the double entendre was intended or not. Of Carol wanting a thick, juicy steak and John being to make do with a small, juicy fruit. Yeah, because uh, on the one hand, it's a kid's show. On the other hand, who knows how bored those writers were and were like, yeah, yeah. let's see if the BBC notices this one. I'm pretty sure that that fruit was a term in use at the time. So the two of them and Susan all kind of wonder where Ian and the doctor are. And Carol assumes that they're negotiating to return to the ship. She heads off to try to, like, hurry them up, 
because, you know, everyone wants to get back to the ship. But in the courtyard, she is grabbed from behind with a hand over her mouth. And as she is dragged away, the title's next episode, A Desperate Venture, appear on screen. So, so this episode is called Kidnapped, and she gets kidnapped in, like, literally the last seconds of the episode? Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, it was, it's kidnap, uh, present tense. Okay. But, but, yeah, I think in our previous episode, we wondered if maybe the doctor was going to get kidnapped, but obviously that didn't play out. Seems like that would have made sense. I kind of wondered if it referred to the second elder being held hostage by the city administrator, but I think that actually, like, the kidnapping of that actually happened in the previous episode, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and then he gets, like, executed, so... Yeah. Maybe it's called Kidnap Present Tense because it happens at the end of the episode, so it doesn't even have a chance to make it into the past tense. (laughs) Yeah. BBC's like, you know, we think Kidnapped would be a snappier title. And John Newman's like, no, 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 it's got to be Kidnap. Yes. So you may have noticed that Barbara has been up on the ship and thus has not appeared in the past couple of episodes, like, at all. Was she on vacation? Yep, apparently Jacqueline Hill missed a few game sessions because she was on vacation. Uh, Just like... William Hartnell did during the season Marinus. <laughs> uh, also, apparently that was what was happening when Susan was off in seminary during the Aztecs. Oh, cool. So she did get a vacation. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not sure if or when William Russell gets a vacation. We'll have to keep an eye out for any episodes with the very limited Ian. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, obviously we have Ian, person of action, but... Maybe every now and then we can have William Russell person of vacation. <laughs> well, cool. That was that was an interesting episode. I feel like they spent a lot of time explaining the plot to us in this one. Yeah. Like the, the, the whole promotion for the city administrator to the, uh, the second elder. And they, they had to make sure that the kids <laughs> were not confused by this you know, <laughs> advanced storytelling technique. Uh-huh. He was faking it earlier, but now it's for real, kids. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm still I'm still invested enough. Yeah, I think that's that was about the feeling that I had by the end of this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think now that we're not really so much into the um, zombie stuff and the the mind control stuff from the the spaceship portion of the serial, I think it's gotten a little less compelling maybe but i mean it doesn't suck yeah yeah i think that's a pretty good summation (laughs) it it doesn't suck at this point yes well coming up next we've got a desperate venture nice i mean that that's a promising title Uh uh-huh maybe not the best one that we've ever had but i i like it um cool so should we uh move on to the next recording I think so. Our listeners can 
come back in two weeks to find out just how desperate that adventure is. <laughs> yes. See you then. Bye. Bye. Hi, Kyle here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thanks to Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. on this and see that the messenger delivers it to the doctor it shall be done now not only shall they go down into the aqueduct with useless armaments but they will be hopelessly lost as well